0: And we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton with you here on Veteran Voices. Welcome to today's show. Hey, we've got an outstanding show teed up. Big guest, huge guest that's doing big things with. Uh, leaders and organizations, really helping them to adapt, grow, and thrive, and succeed. So stay tuned for what promises to be an outstanding conversation. Hey, quick programming note before we get started here today. Veteran Voices is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, and you can find Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe for free. But we do it in partnership with a wonderful nonprofit that's doing big things for the veterans community. you got to check out Vets to industry.com vets to the number 2 industry.com where you can learn more about this really powerful nonprofit that's helping veterans transition and find resources you name it so we couldn't do it without them with no further ado we have an, as i mentioned we have an outstanding guest here today uh he's a new york times best selling author of the book never fly solo he is a combat decorated f16 fighter pilot for the United States Air Force, which has been setting the world-class standards since 1947. He's a Hall of Fame speaker and executive coach. I've seen him in person. He is a dynamo. I've seen him twice in person. Most importantly, he is your wingman. Let's welcome in Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman. How are you doing, sir? Great
1: to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me
0: on the show. Thank you so much. You know, I really have enjoyed uh, seeing parts of your story and parts of your perspective through a couple of different sessions with our friends at Ventlanta and the Georgia Manufacturing Alliance. And it's great to dive in deeper to your story right here on our podcast.
1: You got it. Well, I what I like about you is you're out there in the industry. You're not just philosophizing about it. You're shaking hands. You're helping veterans. you remember. a member. You're a guy that craves knowledge and relationships. And I think that's such a key attribute in business today especially with the disruption in the world Mm. and then also when it comes to building trust right to have credibility and make connections is important so good on you for that there scott thank you so much you've made my day already and, and we're, we hadn't even gotten to the
0: good stuff yet so uh, a pleasure to have you i know you stay busy so we're going to dive into it here so up front and and i've i've got a, our listeners some of our listeners maybe all three that haven't met you yet haven't had the inside track on your story i've heard it a couple times now especially your upbringing i love it so let's dive into that let's 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 share where did you grow up and give us a couple of anecdotes from your upbringing Waldo.
1: so Grew up in Long Island, out in a place called East Islip, Islip Terrace, south central part of Suffolk. But mom and dad were from Brooklyn, so missiles came at an early age because they were really blue collar. Dad was a mechanic at Kennedy Airport. He used to come home with grease all over his uniform, smelling like jet fuel. And man, I just I just got hooked on planes, especially when he took me to Kennedy Airport on a tour when we were ten years old and popped me in the plane. I started to play with the instruments and. I asked him what, this, what it was called, this place where I was sitting, and he said, it's the cockpit where the pilot flies the plane. And so right then and there, I knew I didn't want to fix the planes like my dad. I wanted to fly them. So I made a commitment to excellence, uh, decided to join the Air Force, much to his chagrin because he's a uh, Navy vet, graduated the Air Force Academy, overcame some challenges, a fear of heights, et cetera, uh, graduated, uh, went through pilot training was an instructor pilot first teaching young men and women how to fly the jet then I taught the teachers how to teach students how to fly which is a wow. different dynamic teaching the teachers which really was my favorite job in the Air Force other than flying fighters you know teaching men and women how to instruct which is hard these days listening and being careful not to over overtrain overcoach mm. right letting people make mistakes so I learned a lot from that, did pretty well, and, and competed for a fighter slot, got that, and then uh, volunteered for a South Korea, where I spent a year mm. along the demilitarized zone doing crazy things that didn't make the news. And then I spent a few years at your alma mater at Shia Force Base in yeah. South Carolina. And awesome. I think you were there before me. When, when were you there? What years were you there? Uh, 96 to 97. So I was there from 98 to 2000, <laughs> right before you left. So uh, we just missed each other. I was in the 79th. Flying tigers, uh, flying so, uh, tigers. So
0: we yeah. had the flying tigers, we had the bushmasters, and I cannot remember the third. The dice,
1: the the, the 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 dice uh, that was at five fifty five. Yeah, uh, and the the snakes. Well, we'll find out. We'll get yeah, our research yeah, team yeah. on that. Yep. Hey, let let me go back though. All well, that. Yep. Let
0: me go back. You shared already so much. I'm I'm so curious about. First off, what did they pick up? So when you went through undergraduate pilot training, UPT, right? Clearly, they they saw in you an ability to. A, a natural, a, a skill set to teach and coach and instruct because then you were, as you mentioned, you were helping other folks teach better, right? What did they see in you that that said, "Hey, we got to get this guy helping
1: us to to convey the knowledge"? Well, I'm high energy, you know. I, I love people. I love helping. I love challenge, and I'm I'm also hard on myself. I have high standards. I think most of us in the fighter pilot world are. And when you're teaching these young men and women right out of ROTC or the Air Force Academy, 22, 23, 24 years old, relatively immature, a little bit of inexperience and fear, you need somebody to put them in the right mindset so that their skill set can take over. And so part of my passion and why I was voted number one instructor out of 305 people and flight leader of the quarter, notwithstanding I had a bunch of bad things happen because of the wing nut mistakes I made, the mishaps and mm-hmm. poor leadership decisions I made, which is a lot of what I talk about because that's when we learn, Right. was my, my passion for helping and serving and, and really, really extracting as much courage and confidence from people as possible, which is really what I do now as an executive coach, as an entrepreneurial coach, as a speaker. I want to just get rid of the veneer and the clouds of somebody's motivation and skills and get them present enough to, to let that skill and energy shine
0: clearly it comes across and every every time i've seen you speak this passion and this high energy and this um wanting to help right pull you out of the fog it comes comes across so i gotta ask you when i was in the air force you know as i mentioned pre-show i was a data analyst shaw and then at mcconnell with kc-135s which seemingly have been around for 200 years it feels like i never went up in a fighter jet never earned one of those honor Honor Flights, I think is what they called them. I, I went up in a, in a refueling uh, mission, which is really cool. But you got to describe to our audience because, you know, 99.999, you know, Six Sigma level, probably of folks will never of the population will never experience some of the really cool things you've experienced as a fighter pilot in an F-16, one of the legendary aircrafts of, uh, I don't know if there's a modern era of, air, of of aviation, military aviation. Try to describe what it's like to fly in an F-16 up in the skies at the speeds you fly, especially in the, and then if that's not challenging enough, you're in combat sometimes and, and yeah, yeah. you know, talk to us about
1: that. It's about, it's about exhilaration. You know, if you imagine the, a ride when you're in Disney world or at uh, some adventure park and they strap you in, it's like, <laughs> and you can't really move that much. And you're just like looking around and you're like stuck in this thing. That's kind of how it is. You can move a little bit forward and aft and the fighter, but that's kind of how it is. And you just, mm wrapped around this machine like here it is right here this is the f-16 love it you can see you're like popped in this little canopy and i think folks may be watching this so you can see the jet here single seat single engine the trainers had two seats but 99 of the time i was by myself but not flying solo because we had our wingmen and wing mams the men and women who flew with us so the melding of tactics and technology and also mind and mm. and and uh, you're built to stay present and focused and exhilarate, exhilarated, and so that's what it was. It was just uh, the the coolest ride you can be on, but it forced you to be present and forced you to to face your fears because you were so prepared. Mm. By the time you go up in that plane, you are trained, you know what every button does. Uh, you know how to land that plane safely. and the Air Force does an amazing job of training. and part of what I do, and I think part of the challenge when you look at a transitioning veteran for that matter, somebody who's teaching transitioning people or veterans to enter that new realm, mm. you gotta double down on the training, the mm. preparation, the skill set, the contingency planning. That builds confidence and you need it. you you can have a you may not be the coolest kid on the block. But if you know how to fly that F-16 and know how to press those buttons and everything, I've been beaten up by the nerdiest fighter pilots in the world because they <laughs> think and they're able to act uh, and, and the least suspecting suspects, you know, the least suspects are the ones who fly jets. I mean, look at me, you know, other than my charm and charisma, you probably wouldn't think that I flew fighters, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So many locked lessons and just what you've shared are in the last
0: three minutes. Let's, I want to talk about, again, you, you touched on some of what you did in United States Air Force. Um, what else? Before we talk about some of the people you served with, I've heard you talk about this wing nut moment. I think you referenced it a, a minute ago, and clearly it was a a big, huge life lesson learned moment for you. Can you can you share that with our listeners here?
1: Yeah, cool. I've had a few. <laughs> well,
0: the, uh, let me clarify. The one I heard about is involved a um, a maintenance professional.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to us I about that. Not. Yeah. So. Before you fly, for the folks listening, and I know we have a lot of veterans, you know, we always have a crew chief who fuels the jet, makes sure the weapon systems are good, overall, checks the aircraft out to, and signs the paperwork to make sure that it is cleared to, fa- to fight and fly. I mean, it's, it's a big responsibility for these young men and women to do that. And basically, I went to the jet, it was shorted 500 pounds of fuel when I cranked up the engine, which really wasn't a big deal, but it was enough to cut my mission short by just a few minutes. And with less fuel, I would be at a disadvantage over my wingman. With less fuel, I wouldn't be able to go to afterburner as much. And I got really ticked off. And instead of acknowledging the reasons why it happened and understanding that mistakes happen, I chewed out that crew chief. I cursed him out, used foul language, demeaned him. I mean, I just was not professional, I was in a bad mood, I was under a tremendous amount of stress at the time. As you can understand, we were deployed at the time flying, this is in Saudi Arabia, actually, and uh, flying missions into Iraq. And uh, I, I just was disrespectful, so long story short, when I came back from the mission, my my commander met me at the jet. And in the Air Force, when your commander, your boss waits for you at the end of that mission, it normally meant something was wrong at mm. home. And so I got nervous. You know, was my twin brother sick? Was my family in the hospital? And I jumped on the tarmac and he looked at me and pointed it and said, come with me. Mm. And so I knew there was nothing wrong with my family at that time. (laughs) And he basically said, hey, Walter, you know how long that young crew chief was working on your jet? You know what he went through? And I said, of course I do. And he said, you don't know anything. I want you to find your oldest flight suit, put it on tomorrow morning and walk the flight line for 12 hours with these young kids to mm. see what they go through so that you can fly the coolest jet in the world, the S-16. So I got up that next morning at the crack of dawn and spent an hour on that flight line doing things I didn't know they did. And I, quite frankly, Scott and listeners, I, I didn't have a clue what they did. I thought I did, but I didn't. Mm. And never worked so hard in my life. And it made me realize everything I did up in the air had so much to do with what they did on the ground. Mm. So I apologized to the crew chief. I worked on building that relationship and and I I just don't know if I got his trust back because at the end of the day, trust is hard to gain and easy to lose. Mm. And I just realized there were a lot of unsung heroes in the Air Force and even now, from web designers, you know, we had a little panic attack before my website wasn't coming up. I I connected with my web guy and they answered me quickly. Hey, Mayday, Mayday, I need help. Who are those unsung heroes who are helping you stay in business, give you the support and advice you need, lift you up. And even more important than that, who are those wingmen, those men and women who give you feedback that you may not want to hear but need to hear, Mm. and who love you enough to potentially kick you off and help you grow as a person And this is something that as veterans, we need to really embrace and find those civilian counterparts who can give us the advice, Mm. seek out the coaching. Obviously you're listening to this podcast because you want a new tool, a new technique, a new strategy on how to be a better leader, deal with change. Lord knows it's COVID right now. Right. Mm. And so creating people in your life who you can go to for help and who love you enough to give you that advice uh or key and I, I learned that lesson about unsung heroes and I'll, I'll never forget it and i was i was pissed off at the time that he made me do it but i was thankful that he taught me the lesson as a matter of fact he lives in atlanta now and uh, enos dodson is his name he flies for southwest Airlines. i did a speech around seven years ago mm. invited him in to see me in atlanta i shared that story and pointed out lieutenant colonel enos dodson that's awesome love that story and I, I love your
0: how you've taken that experience and turned it into uh, a lesson that others can learn from. Especially to your point, whether it's in the military or if it's in supply chain or if it's a global business, there's so many folks that that aren't that aren't recognized enough. The maintainers alone, I mean, in the military and and and, and those that keep fleets, civilian fleets, going. Sure. Uh, so so many so many, so much goodness there. Let's so Lieutenant Colonel Enos Dodson was that gentleman. Uh, let's talk about some other folks that you really, you know, that will always be folks you think about, whether you worked with them or maybe they reported to you or maybe someone you uh, you reported up to in that infamous military you know, chain of command. Who are some folks you really think about uh, that you serve with that are special to you?
1: So one of them, I want to see if I have a picture of him on here. I don't know if I do, but it's uh, uh, Rob Kosciuszko, Kaz. Mm. And Kaz was, uh, we were in students together or instructor pilots together in San Antonio, Texas. Then we followed each other to Korea and we followed each other to Shaw Air Force Base. And this guy was an undergraduate and graduate student at MIT. Really brilliant. The best fighter pilot I ever flew with tall, good looking mm. guy, just a great guy, great athlete. And I befriended him. I befriended him because we, we followed each other in so many different, uh, commands, and bases, but also he was so good. I wanted to be around great people. Mm. I was an average fighter pilot. I was a much better instructor in all due respect. I had my moments of glory as a fighter pilot, but I wasn't great and good and average as a fighter pilot isn't that bad, but Kaz was great. This was his calling. So I learned so much from him. We spent a lot of time together. I flew combat missions with him and now he is an emergency room physician. I went to get out of graduate school after I graduated after I left the military, went to graduate school, got my MBA. He went to Johns Hopkins and got his PhD wow. in medicine. And uh, now he's an emergency room doc in Columbia, South Carolina. And if I have a problem or an issue, anything physical or medical, he's there and help me out. My wife's always bugging him for things. It's <laughs> funny, but but he's a great guy, and he's one of the few folks uh, that I'm I've able have been, been able to stay in touch. That's relatively local. Uh, for me. And and these are important because I think, you know, my dad, I talked about him a little bit. He always said, be careful who you spend time with on the weekends. Mm. And the people who you hang out with, who emulate excellence, who have high standards, who hold you accountable, who give you feedback and love and advice and encouragement and lift you. Mm. Those are the type of people that you need to be hanging out with. And any full, any soldier who's listening, who is a veteran, you know, those men and women who you worked with in the military, they had your back for the most part and you mm. had theirs. So you got to seek out those folks in the civilian sector now, uh, maybe they're former military, but the best way to do that is to do what you do, mm. Scott, give mm. your wings away, volunteer, share your best practices, help others out and be that resource and advocate to others. And this is how military transitioning folks can, can build that reputation capital that will get the interview, that will build that Rolodex of people who can refer them into businesses. And also, if you're in supply chain or a leader in your organization, looking to gain influence and impact. Obviously, supply chain is so critical these days in food right. service and manufacturing. You know, many times they're the, the, uh, the unsung hero, the ones who were literally- moving, moving targets and, 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 and supplying the fuel and armament. So important to build those ambassadors and collaborators within your organization so that you have a seat at the table. And also that when you call out for help, they'll be there for you. So, so Kaz is one of them. I've got several others, but, but he's the one that I spend most of my uh, my time with. One of my other buddies, Tony Angelo graduated the Academy with me, just made one star general. He's been, was a helicopter guy. And then he flew C-17s and just an amazing guy. They'll always be my wingman, even though we don't see each other too often. Love that. All right, so let's talk about accomplishments.
0: Uh, I know you strike me as someone that that celebrates a lot of other folks' accomplishments, and 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 maybe not one to tout your own. But but what's one thing? I know I know you've got a family and and uh, a son, one son, more more. One children? son, one son. Yep, ten years okay. old. So hundred years from now, as you're as you're you're talking to your son, what's that one accomplishment or your your grandkids or you name it, whoever you're gonna be talking to hundred years from now, what's that one accomplishment that's going to stick with you that you really want to share with them that, that, that maybe they can, they can take
1: pride in. Well, obviously, you know, flying fighters is a pretty cool thing, you know, becoming a Lieutenant Colonel, got inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of 200 people in the world, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah i did that after 10 years as a professional speaker first when i got it and all due respect i'm like i got to get coaching man i got to get better because hey here today gone tomorrow we got to earn our wings no matter what awards we get mm-hmm. if you're a top gun a peak performer you can become irrelevant very quickly due to a word called complac— a word called complacency right mm-hmm. and so i'm always evolving growing building relationships with guys like you my office here you know you look at it it's it's, it's built for speed i'm doing virtual programs I, I think I practice what I preach for the most part because resilience isn't just about being able to bounce back. It's being able to operate in distressful environments in combat and in, mm. in, in the gym, you know, really getting used to stepping out of your comfort zone and operating in that. And the reason why I say that, that I think what I want my kid to share with his grandchildren and for him to think about the most when he's facing is an obstacle facing obstacles in his life is that his dad developed claustrophobia as a fighter pilot, that his dad almost died in a scuba diving accident three years in his flying career. And for eight years, I had to face my fear of panic attacks in the jet. I wow. mean, look at this thing, Scott, for those of that can't see it, just watch it. It's a tiny little cockpit. You're barely able to move. And I would fly six, seven hours at a time in this thing. Imagine being claustrophobic and having that. And so one of my stories that I share with with folks who are going through struggles, with people who are looking to take their life to the next level, is how I overcame panic attacks and massive claustrophobia and stayed in that jet and eventually became flight leader of the quarter. I've got the wooden plaque over there. I can actually show it. Let me go get it. That's what's cool about (laughs) here. So this is my flight leader of the quarter. I got it right before I left the airport. You can see. uh, Love it. Right, uh, it's a January to March 2020 is when I got the award, uh, 79th Fighter Squadron, right, uh, Flight the Quarter. And now I like to brag about this because once again, there were better fire pots than me, but they didn't know I had claustrophobia. They didn't know I had panic attacks. Probably they did too. Most of us were scared to death flying in combat. It was normal, but to operate through fear and to stay in the jet hmm. and to stay so focused is how I was able to to be a great leader in in that that day. And once again, not always the best, but they chose me as the best. So the way I did it was that I thought about them when I flew, when I was having a panic attack, thought about my women, how could I support them? Where is the threat? Let me be Mm. that wingman. Let me, let me take that young guy or gal on my wing into Iraq and be so focused on her that she's, she's going to, Jeez, there's no way she's getting shot down because she's got Waldo Waldman, her flight lead, taking care of her. And the the message is this: all of us are going through challenges. You may be transitioning. You may be out of out of work. You may be dealing with sales objections or a a, a relationship issue with your spouse or partner or something going on in your life, a health issue. When you focus on others and distract yourself from yourself, you can be present and lead and do great things. Mm. And I want my son to think about the fact that his that instead of quitting, my dad stayed in the jet, that he emulated true courage in those combat missions. And that'll give him the strength, and maybe his grandchildren or his children the strength. And maybe my peers and people who I coach the strength to, to, to stay courageous. It's not about fearlessness. You hear a lot of speakers talking about fearless leadership. It's such BS, if you ask me, because we're all afraid. Right we just got to operate through it and overcoming your fear by focusing on others is a great thing. And as a parent, you know, you know, Scott, the three little ones, uh, when you focus on them, nothing else matters. You, you, Mm. you get totally present and that's the gift that God gives us by having children and the blessings of, uh, of, of true authentic relationships. Mm. So that's, that's, that's what I want him to think about when he talks to his kids. Love that. Wow.
0: That's, That's powerful. It, it, You know, focusing on others can can sound like a a simple piece of advice, but it is so powerful. If you truly and genuinely embrace that and act on that, it really can uh, help you through a variety of uh, challenging times. So speaking of challenging times, you you mentioned, of course, these times we live in, which, you know, as challenging and uniquely challenging as they are, they're also very fascinating Sure, sure. And 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 it's a study in human behavior and psychology and business and leader talk, talk about leadership. Wow. So let's talk about a eureka moment. And and since you shared the wingnut, one of your wingnut stories, let's maybe talk about something that you've picked up uh, in the last year or so, something a learning, a key learning moment in these challenging times. I happen to, you know, we're connected on Facebook and I love your your um your, your videos, your kind of your stop and you kind of have a thought of the day and you share it. And that blows up Uh, the internets. The internets are yours on those moments I've seen. What's been a key eureka moment that maybe you keep coming back to from the last 12 months or so?
1: Goodness. Well, I've had a bunch of them that there are many unsuspecting, unsung heroes in my life that popped up out of the woodwork who've helped me. I've got these lights. I've got this nice camera. I've got this nice, expensive microphone. I've got this 55-inch screen. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Scott, do you think I figured this out on my own? (laughs) No way. I was asked to join a mastermind group of people because I built a relationship with a buddy of mine uh, who I got to speak on the platform at the National Speakers Association. We built a relationship. He's like, well, you got to join this mastermind. I'm like, it's a group of us. We meet once a week and maybe 20 different folks with different backgrounds. They're mostly speakers. And uh, I have another mastermind of just a few folks, but this was a new one. And I I showed up and there was a couple of nerds kind of on the program right and i'm kind of nerdy too but these were like really technical <laughs> nerds and they were always talking about lighting and sound and this and blah, blah 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 well guess what one of those nerds became my best buddy because when the proverbial poop hit the fan and i needed help he spent so much generous humble time helping me mm. and he he got me to learn how to use the stream deck right there's a stream deck here if i press this button boom Picture appears. <laughs> Press this button. My LinkedIn stuff, and everybody will get to Press this button. He immediately headed into the emergency. Video, right? And so that's pretty darn cool. I showed them during my keynotes. It's a really value add. I didn't mm. know what the heck I was doing. But this guy was generous and gave his wings away to me. Mm. And I just got him a $15,000 keynote speech because I referred him. Wow. And uh, because I believe in paying it forward. Here's the thing. One of the lessons that I always preach, but I truly took advantage of in these days of uncertainty is that you must give with honor and then take with honor. Mm. I took with honor from this guy. And what that meant is I let him help me, help me, help me, help me. And I was taking it with honor because I knew number one, I would pay it forward to somebody else. I'd volunteer my time on a podcast. I'd help so many other people out, which I do all the time. Speakers. I was just talking to a 24 year old kid. Mm. out of New Jersey, as a real estate agent, having panic attacks, he's a private pilot. I spoke for him for 90 minutes two weekends ago about how we can overcome his fears, talked about his background and anxiety. I do things behind the scenes. I don't post it on Facebook, by the mm. way. You don't share, see me posting, I, I say some inspirational stuff, but I'm not gonna tell all the people all the great things that I've done. The right. fact that I was so generous and philanthropic, just so I'm gonna like, i can get a like, I think sometimes we have to toot our own horn But I take with honor because I'm giving back as much as I can. Mm. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to get him some business. And I referred him three or four times in Johnson & Johnson, where he hired me. They hired me for for a little bit of money. I won't say what, because they were bringing me back. But he got the big deal out of it. And I'm like, Mm. great. You deserved it. You helped me. And when I can help somebody else in return, that's great. So take with honor, give with honor, pay it forward. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But you have to dig the well before you need the water.
0: Yes, one of my favorites. Uh, what is the, the author's name? He wrote the book, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Yeah, um, yeah. It's
1: um, uh, Matt. it's uh, Mark, Harvey McKay. Harvey yes. McKay. Yeah, yeah. So, Harvey McKay, I got a picture of Harvey. As a matter of fact, I won't show it, but I just had, uh, he met and saw me speak. I spoke for Medtronic in Minneapolis uh, around a year ago. And uh, I, I've been friends with him for years. He's like my grandfather. <laughs> and, uh, he met me and we hung out and we hung out outside the airport for 45 minutes and had a conversation. I have some photos. I could send it to you, but, Love it. but he's great. And I'm, I, I, subscribe to his newsletter. Great guy. Speaking of which, you know, subscribe to these newsletters, these podcasts, fill your, fill your bucket mm. with content and knowledge from these folks and discipline yourself every day to kind of saturate your brain with positive things on business and life and relationships and God or whatever it is that, uh, that gets you excited. So important. Love that. Love that. All right. So you've already
0: if you're taking notes, listeners at home, folks in our community, you've already gotten probably a couple of pages of transition advice and assistance and leadership advice and, and, and really life outlook and, and worldview uh, advice. But let's so transition. Speaking from your transition, what's a couple of pieces of advice um, that you've learned and you, you would share with our military uh, members, fellow veterans? that are fighting through their own transition, whether they're, you know, they're about to go on terminal leave and maybe unlike or, or, or maybe like many, including myself, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't spend the, the six months or a year before I separated. I waited till the last minute to, you know, look for interviews, work recruiters and build a net, network and all that stuff. Speak to, speak to our veteran community about your transition and, and some advice there.
1: Well, just because you're a veteran doesn't necessarily give you the right to get a job over anybody else. It demonstrates your core values, your work ethic, most likely your integrity, but you have to approach every interview, every job opportunity, every LinkedIn connection, every potential referrer with the same sense of discipline and preparation as you did if you're going and deploying on a combat mission or or whatever it is. So no one's going to hand it to you. You've got to prepare and, and go through basic training. You know, when I left the military... I was moving to Atlanta. My best friend from the Air Force Academy lived here. I said, where do I live? You go where your buddies are. Al Wansky is his name. And I contacted a guy who was an executive uh, coach. And he coached me. He was actually a, a former uh, Air Force fighter pilot in the 60s. Gave me some great advice. He befriended me, helped me in my first interview. And I prepared maniacally. I contingency plan. I learned everything I could. And today, with the internet, with LinkedIn, social media, you can find out so many things about people. Right, And so don't take the easy way out. Go old school on everything. <laughs> Write handwritten notes. You know, Be kind. Uh, be gracious. Uh, um, uh, you know, if you want to gain a referral, give a referral. If you want to gain a friend, be a friend. But prepare maniacally and then get coaching. A lot of people can't translate their military background into layman's uh, civilian terms. And, and so you, you've got to put in the time and invest that. I, I took out books on resume writing, et cetera, and uh, very, very important, but uh, also get out there into the community. And this also has to do with any leader, be it in supply chain and a Fortune 500 company or whatever. Wing work, don't just network. It's hard now by being virtual, but try to connect with as many people as you can. Show up to conversations where you can give a piece of advice, a wingtip that could help somebody out. Volunteer to help put together a project. Do something at your kid's school. Mentor a young guy or gal. Build that relationship capital and be that resource as the go-to guy or gal who solves problems and gets things done. And uh, you don't need to get a paycheck for it, but, but just, just go out there into your community. I, I also believe you don't need to wear a uniform to serve. Mm. You know, guys like us have been in the service. You know, we serve, but it doesn't mean we can't still serve, and we don't need to carry an M sixteen or fly an F sixteen to do it as well. So, so stay active in your community, uh, and then then uh, prepare, and then also, like I said, just just don't be afraid to ask for help. That's really really important. And the more people you have, the more solutions you have in your in your flight plan in your cockpit, and the more weapon systems you have, <laughs> the more competent you'll have to deal with change. Right. Right. And so this podcast is giving somebody that wingtip, that piece of advice. They didn't have a solution before, but now, boom, I've got this weapon system or this tool. Love it. I've got a little green smoothie here. It's the remnants (laughs) of this green smoothie. Hey, I know I got to drink this stuff. I worked out today. I did, before I went on this call, I did a 35 minute power workout. I knew it was going to be four o'clock Eastern time. I did an interview before you, and then I knew I'd need that energy. So I had my protein shake, and then I had my green smoothie. Here's the deal. As Jim Rohn once said, famous philosopher, work harder on yourself than you do on the job. Mm. So keep working on that inner wingman or wing ma'am, refine your character, work on your health and fitness and relationships, get the jet in the hangar, tighten down the rivets, retool that jet, and you'll build that confidence to get airborne. Just be patient and put in the hard work. Love it, and don't network wing work. I love that. that's because you're helping it. others. When you go out, it's all about helping others. Mm. You're not there to get them to help you. You're going to say, who do I know today that I can help? Be that resource. And they, they may not get, bring you an immediate opportunity, but you'll build a lot of wingmen. And that's what I've done in my life. I, hey, I believe it. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. I mean, this
0: is this is good stuff. Going back to what you said earlier, you know, folks need to. Whether if it's a podcast, if it's a book, if it's a, a show, if it's if it's people connecting with people by phone, or, or, or however you fill your head with with good thoughts and positivity, and and this is good stuff. I, I need a straw to suck all this stuff up. Waldo. Well, no. so let's um let's talk about what you're doing now because it really is is fascinating. Your firm, your work that's where I you, you first hit my radar, uh, and I was fortunate to see you twice in person. And and as I mentioned on the front end, you are you're a dynamo. Folks can't if the three folks that maybe Waldo doesn't get your juices going, you got you to gotta check your pulse, make sure you're still with us. So let's talk about what you do now. I think some folks can kind of gather based on some of the things you've shared. But but what do you do You know, week in and week out right now to help organizations and leaders?
1: So two things I do, I do I do executive coaching, either individual senior managers, leaders in transition and also sales and leadership teams. Uh, I coach them. Uh, we got on a couple of calls a month and we talk about standards and protocols and creating collab- groups, collaborative cultures and preparation, mindset, skill set, and something that I coined heart set, right, passion mm-hmm. and drive, the meaning to your mission. So I help align align uh, leadership teams so that they can become more productive and profitable. And then I also i am a keynote speaker for the most part. I do virtual and live programs i speak at the biggest stages from you know 5 subway franchise owners to dell computer to the denver broncos football team i, I saw that a couple that was of years awesome. ago which was a lot of fun i don't know if i have a little broncos thing on here i don't know if i do but actually i spoke for jim brown to, or the browns who, if you see on the screen here stand by love it is he on there there is uh let's see yeah there's there's the browns cleveland browns they're pushing yep. it up right there uh if you could see that i sure can um, yep love it and so, uh, and, then I, and so that was great. So I do leadership programs on collaboration, courage, and trust, mostly for sales teams because I have a sales background as well. I, I got my MBA. I was in technology sales and an M&A, commission only, mergers and acquisitions consulting. So I love sales teams, but I, I do a lot of, uh, of, of multi dimensional teams on, uh, you know, yesterday I spoke for a, a healthcare organization in the medical device field. And then next week, I'm speaking for two thousand folks in, in financial services and insurance. Wow, cross so sectors. Very, yeah, yeah, very different. I love the, the HVAC world. I'm doing work there. Construction industry, healthcare. Though I, I love healthcare, just because people are so service focused, and it's such a dynamic world. But also food service, supply chain, any any place you, when you have moving product from A to A to A to Z, there's a lot of men and women involved mm. here. So, great companies. Especially in these meetings, bring in the diverse groups, from sales operations, uh, all the support staff, and we bring them in and let them know that they can't win on their own. So, love it.
0: So, no, no shortage of engagements and keynotes and, and uh, project work, you name it. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, you know, business is coming in. It's been challenging with COVID, but I had my a really busy January, uh, March is uh, February, March is good, but um, uh, I just got to keep the radar sweeping and stay relevant, right? And, right. Well, all right.
0: What, yeah, of all, and you've touched on a few of them, but of all the different keynotes and and sessions that you've been a part of, and those stages that you've commanded, what's one that comes to mind that's been a recent favorite or or a long held favorite of yours? What's I mean, the, clearly the the Browns and Broncos are probably pretty special. What else yeah. comes to mind? that was really that stays with you.
1: I I was spoke in Vegas for Dell World. You yeah, had a couple thousand people in the audience. You know, you know, I got to meet Michael Dell. Very very innovative company. Technology is huge these days, obviously. And they have to do so many things other than build their computers, right? There's your data centers and this and that. And so I really love that space. And there was such a diverse group. And I built some great relationships with people there. Just love that. Uh, but you know, yesterday, I spoke for a company called CDI. It's a, a healthcare organization. They have MRI centers, Center for Diagnostic Imagery. Centers all over the US, 133 mm-hmm. of them. But the guy that hired me his name is Tim Kurzanowski. Now, Tim recommended me a month ago to his boss. Now, the reason why Tim recommended me to his boss was Tim hired me for GE Healthcare just a few years prior. And then eight years or 10 years prior to that, he hired me when he was with Philips Medical Systems. So I've kept in touch with him over the years because he gave me an opportunity in 2008 or so to work for Philips. We stayed in touch Connect when I was in Omaha, Nebraska, where he, where he was at for a couple of years. I connected with him. I did something for Union Pacific out there. And he went and had coffee with me. And then I just went to uh, Greece with my wife. And he was running the GE Healthcare division of, of, uh, of Europe. And he was mm-hmm. living in Athens. And I tried getting together with him. But we just connect. I could show you the, the messages on LinkedIn and on my phone. Right. And then sure enough, he left GE Healthcare. I was with this new company. He's like, Walter, we're having a virtual event. you would be perfect for us. A week after he asked, I got a nice, healthy paycheck, and I I delivered delivered this program, and I gave my heart. I had a headache yesterday. I was not feeling good, but I gave him everything. I'm like, there's no way I'm not pushing it up for this guy and this Mm. team, and so we had a wonderful time. The the feedback was amazing, and I'm not just saying that because I don't always kill it. There are some days where I'm, I'm not feeling in the zone, but isn't it wonderful? when we can truly deliver our our greatness, whatever that diamond of kind it is to people who really deserve it and and trust. And I'm so blessed to be able to get a paycheck for it. But I felt so good that I was able to kick some butt and help out Tim and his team. And I I just, I, I, he was happy. The, the, the CEO and everybody was happy and I'll never forget that one out of all the virtual programs CDI, man, it was great. And I'm humbled by it. And I'm, I'm just thankful to Tim that he's kept me on the radar and is able to allow me to put food on my table in this volatile, uncertain environment that mm-hmm. we're in today. Well, and, and clearly you love what you do. You love it. I mean, it, 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 it comes, it jumps right
0: off this Zoom we're connected on. And that, that really, that's got to be wonderful Momentum and, and, and tell wins, right? As you connect with the, the, the folks
1: you're communicating you to and engaging with. Yeah. Why do you love it though? What, what, what's your why? So here, here's why. And it goes back to why I went to the Air Force Academy and why I chose flying fighters. I love challenge. The reason why I created the brand Wingman, which in 2003 I trademarked in the speaking business consulting world, was Wingman is a trusted partner in business and life. And trust, in my opinion, means somebody that you feel comfortable going to for help, right? And somebody who you know is going to help you, is going to be there for you, dependable, reliable, you know, has integrity, does what they say they're going to do, mm. admits their mistakes. That's why I love what I do, because people are calling out Mayday with a problem. And I pride myself on the fact that they're not just going to get a speech or a coaching session, that I'm going to rip my heart out if I have to and throw it at them and cut a vein and share my, share my vulnerabilities (laughs) and my mishaps and mess ups and also share my humanity. And when I'm able to do that, I, and, and reveal my vulnerabilities. And and once again, folks, and I do very well, but man, I've got a lot of battle damage, a lot of sales scars and and issues in my life that I'm always working on. We Mm. all are, Mm. but when we're able to do that and we realize that we have this courageous person inside of us, they're gonna come out. I don't get motivated helping lazy people. You show up asking for help. And this is why, you know, I loved how you prepare. We co- you contacted me last night, made sure that we were aligned. I said I was mm-hmm. gonna be five minutes late. You know, we were aligned in that. And and we that's trust, that's humanity, that's follow-up and dependability. Mm-hmm. And then I don't like helping people who aren't earning their wings doing the hard work on their own. Mm-hmm. And so if I see people who are putting in the effort and I tell my son the same thing, you know, he's 10 years old. And if he's getting a little lazy and not putting in the time in soccer and sorry, I'm your dad, but you're going to learn a lesson, no iPad, no uh, Xbox and uh, get to work or let me get out there and help him. So, mm. so I, I just love being able to be the guy to come through for people to, to help them. And that love fills it. me with pride and joy. And, and, uh, and I'm to get paid for it. Yeah. Fulfilling
0: yeah. is what it comes across. It's like, it's like you're, you had a mission when you were in uh, the air force and, and it was ABC and now this is the mission you're on now. And, and you can, you can, you can see it. And I think as an entrepreneur, I think when you, when you finally, you, you know, for me, at least it took a couple of different paths and turns like we all make as, as, sure. as business people. But then when you hit that gear and you find that mission and you, it's, it's a mission that, that, that you're jumping out of bed to do every day and you're going to bed at night thinking about it. And it, and it, and it's, it's not, it's consuming in a healthy way, right? Because it is so rewarding, fulfilling. And that's what that's what I'm picking up from all the- Yeah, it's uh, funny, you,
1: you, you, I, I carried it a quote uh, like the last year or two, and it says, it's not what keeps us up at night that's as important as what gets us out of bed. Mm, love that. Because what keeps you up at night is fear-based, right? fear space doesn't create joy and excitement. It can create paralysis and keep you up. But when you think about what gets you out of bed, that is- courage-based. Mm. That is what's going to drive you forward and take risks and humble yourself and get you working. And so you said that perfectly, you know, you know, you, you got to drive yourself out of bed. And so many people are staying up at night for rights, rightly reasons. I know. I don't always sleep well. We all have an amazing burden and sense of responsibility, especially in these tough times. My dad's 91. My mom's 86. She just recovered from COVID in a nursing home. Wow. I've got a brother that's, that's going through some personal challenges right now. And, and, uh, and Lord knows there, there's a lot of headwinds for, for people that I love and, and others in the, in, the, in the world. But when you gain meaning to your mission, or what I call the why before you fly, you got to know what that is. And then you'll be willing to take off and say, all right, I'm willing to get shot at today. I'm willing to have that panic attack because there's no way I'm getting out of that jet because mm-hmm. I have people that depend on me. And that's what, what turns that wingman into a trusted partner and, and, and creates meaning in your life.
0: Wow. Love
1: it. I love it so much. I wish we
0: had three more hours, but uh, unfortunately we do not. And I'm sure you've got 10 more interviews before you hit the, your your head hits (laughs) the (laughs) the (laughs) pillar tonight.
1: Uh, It's the last, it's the last one today. Thank (laughs) goodness. I'm pretty beat, but uh, I got some emails. So let's make sure folks know how
0: to connect with you. So we've been talking with Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman, a fascinating uh, interview, just like I knew it would be because I've had a a couple sneak peeks of you in action. How can folks connect with you and, and connect with your website and, and even, you know, maybe do some work with you?
1: So so a couple of things I'm putting on. They're going to see the video on this, right, Scott? They sure are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so if you take out your phone, there's a QR code on the screen that connects directly to me on LinkedIn. I didn't know what the heck a QR code was a, a year or two ago, but you just pretend you're taking a picture of it. It'll just pop up, connect with me there on LinkedIn. Then I want to give everybody uh, particularly veterans, a copy of my, my New York Times bestseller Never Fly Solo. It's an audiobook version. I've got a hardcover, but the audiobook is free unless you want to go to Audible and pay 20 bucks. But if you go to yourwingman.com forward slash NFS, like never fly solo, pitch your name and email address. You'll get that audiobook there. Uh, and then you can put this in the show notes as well for the folks. You bet. And then I have a five video series that's part of my ace academy. You notice all the acronyms, right? And so it's a mission ready series, part of my academy. If you want five short videos on on building courage and trust and accountability, if you go to yourwingman.com forward slash MR, like mission ready, uh, lowercase letters, please. You'll get five videos coming at you on courage and trust. And then you have an opportunity to participate in my ACE Academy after that. So those are a couple of things as well. I'm all over social media at Waldo Waldman. Whatever you do, if you do load anything up, drop me a note and uh, or connect with me. But please let, let Scott and I know that you, uh, you met me from this podcast uh, and that we, we made a difference and maybe even share the, the lesson learned and pay it forward. And let Amen. Scott know that his podcast kicks butt and <laughs> we love it. Wonderful, I, man! I, you've already given me a, a,
0: a hundred and two best best practices today, from <laughs> from leadership lessons to even podcast execution. So, tell you what. So, we've been talking again with Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman, New York Times best selling author of the book "Never Fly Solo." So, check that out. Very, very gracious of you to offer um, that to our veteran community. Combat decorated F sixteen fighter pilot hall of fame speaker, one of only 200 in the, in the, in, in the entire world. So really impressive. And, and best of all, your, your wingman, one heck of a guy is out there doing what he loves to do. So really appreciate all of your time you've given us here today. All of the your your thoughts and your your point of view and your experiences, and thanks so much for for, for uh, being willing to carve time out from your busy schedule.
1: Got it. You're a pro at what you do, Scott. I'm thoroughly impressed. I mean that sincerely uh, with your your ability to hold a conversation and extract the best out of me, and you did that mm-hmm. today. And I'm honored to know you, and I'm proud to be your wingman as well. Awesome. Hey,
0: thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman. And to our listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Be sure to check out yourwingman.com. Be sure to check out all the books and audio tapes and, and, and keynotes that uh, Waldo shared here with us here today. Hey, connect with us. You can find us uh, wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe so you don't miss anything. You won't, won't, don't want to miss conversations just like this one. And, you know, if you're a veteran and you've got a story to tell, reach out. We'll try to work you into our production schedule. That's really important, you know, serving as the voice of the veteran community. Hey, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton wishing you nothing but the best. Hey, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. Be like Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.